Are you ready to take your leadership and your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate, evolve, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world. And you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen Metcalf, your host. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates and the Innovative Leadership Institute. I work with leaders and their organizations to identify the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the U.S. and Germany. With me on today's show are Greg Moran and Terry Bettinger. Greg Moran is a C-level digital strategy and change leadership executive with extensive global operations experience. He led corporate strategy for Ford and designed the plan that Alan Malale used to turn around the company. Greg held C-level IT positions in app dev, infrastructure, and core banking applications at Ford, Nationwide Insurance, Bank One, J.P. Morgan Chase, respectively. He began his career in consulting with Arthur Anderson slash Accenture, working across industries with approximately 100 companies over the decade. He is passionate about leadership and culture and teaches part-time on the topic at Ohio University. Terry Bettinger is a passionate and principle-driven leader who thrives on challenge. Strengths include effectively creating and leading high-performance teams, consistently leading business-driven success through collaboration, and continuously advancing innovation and adaptation. Terry's been a CIO and senior technology leader in large publicly traded banks and also a government organization. She currently serves on several boards, one being a for-profit financial institution. Terry is currently doing organizational strategic planning for two nonprofits. Focus is on the theme of aspiration and the power it has to expand our limits and potential by motivating us to test our capabilities and competencies further in new ways. I would also add it has completely different effect on us than the evil twin desperation. Not that aspiration is inherently good or desperation is inherently bad, but when people believe, the paths look very different than when they do not. So for those of us who have aspirations and continually focus on them, we tend to be able to accomplish them or move much further than we would if we didn't. And Harvard did a study a decade or so ago, and it was a longitudinal study that looked at people who had a personal vision over multiple decades and those people accomplished something like a hundred times more than people who did not. So the idea of aspiration is a really powerful one and really I think under focused on. So we're going to explore the power of aspiration as a means to creating opportunity where it's desired and I'd say in our leadership program we start with vision and values and so often what we hear from leaders is this is just nothing I ever did. 
So I got married, I started my job, I had a family, and who has time for this vision value stuff? I have things to do. And I making time for this is, is just not what I've done. In an MBA program, they don't have a choice. In a leadership program, they do. So I would love to hear both conceptually what you think of it and what have you done in your personal lives that have led you both to be amazingly successful? Greg? <laughs> well, thanks, Terry. I think, uh, you know, this conversation started in the context of talking about how we solve for significant opportunities that we face as a society, whether those, uh, whether those significant problems involve diversity, whether mm. those problems involve achieving outcomes in an organization or whatever it uh, may be. And, and Terry was making the observation that uh, there is a distinct difference in aspiration between people who have historically, for example, been you know, uh, less advantaged from a career standpoint mm -hmm. than people who have an advantage. And there, there can be socioeconomic explanations for that, but there can also be you know, real fixes for those mm -hmm. problems mm -hmm. rooted in finding a way to unleash people's aspiration. And uh, I completely agree with that and see that not only in the work I do in the workplace, and you were giving a great example, mm -hmm. uh, you know, large enterprises don't teach people to aspire. They teach people mm -hmm. to manage risk, generally speaking. And right? do the yep. things they're hired to do. That's exactly yep. right. And the same thing is true as people move up through various different socioeconomic paths, mm -hmm. as they go through specific gender paths, whatever it may mm -hmm. be, mm -hmm. there are constructs that come into place that actually lead to this belief that you're only allowed to dream so big, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And, and if we can deconstruct those scaffolds, then we can unleash this greater aspiration that you were alluding to. So I want to jump in and just make one comment. I was talking to an executive yesterday who, for a brief period of time, worked with Junior Achievement as a volunteer. And they went into eighth grade classes where kids were most at risk and in schools where kids were most at risk. And she said she was astonished that in the class she was working with, one child, that I'm guessing this was 25 or 30 kids, knew someone who had worked full time. Mm. So, so yep. what they aspired to... <laughs> very different than what I grew up with. I mean, there wasn't a question if you were going to have a full-time job, and even if you were going to go to college. So we, we haven't talked about systemic, and not that we'll do it so much here, but there is a huge systemic component to what we think is possible. If I could jump in. So I'm going to macro to micro, right? So mm -hmm. I think macro, aspiration is the American way, right? We talk about what are aspirations, mm -hmm. ambitions, dreams, hope for the future, right? Held up for the world is the American dream, right? Those are mm -hmm. great aspirations. Some of our greatest leaders, private sector businesses, when we think about, you know, Steve Jobs and, and Google and, and Bill Gates, and you know, certainly had very aspirational leaders striving beyond mm -hmm. the ordinary for the extraordinary. We think about social enterprises, right? Some of our greatest social inequities. Martin Luther King, right? He had a dream, right? Mm -hmm. An aspiration. Mm -hmm. He didn't come with a tactical plan and a Gantt chart of milestones, mm -hmm. right? He had a dream that helped people to aspire to something more extraordinary beyond what they currently have. And I think, you know, chronologically, when we start with you know, children, children are amazingly aspirational, right? You ever talk to a five-year-old who says, I want to be 
you know, king of the world. And astronaut. I want to be an astronaut. I want it. They want to be great things. Um, certainly my focus is technology. That's been my life, my career. If you ever go to an invention league, right, a lot of communities have invention leagues. You have children starting at kindergarten who have tremendous aspirational goals to solve the world's, you know, challenges of water shortage or, mm. you know, safety and recycling and save the planet and and um, energy sources. They're so so unbelievably aspirational. Then I look at particularly women in technology and people of color, right? Girls 8 to 12, 80% of them highly interested in STEM fields, mm-hmm. but only 27% of undergrad or uh, STEM degrees are women, right? So somewhere between 12 years old and 18 years old, they're losing that aspiration and what of what that um, de- that path can really help them to be and give mm-hmm. and, and fulfill mm-hmm. their social enterprise endeavors. And I think that carries on, you know, women who do enter technology, I think sometimes, and kind of Greg, back to what you were hinting on, is that sometimes that daily rut, I'll call it the rut, you know, becomes the primary focus, right? Getting to the job, child care, elder care. Mm-hmm. Again, men and women have tremendously equal capabilities, aptitude, um, skills, ability to learn, leadership mm-hmm. qualities. But I think um, sometimes we, we either by systemic or by by personal perception put hurdles in front of our aspirations. And so I think there's a great opportunity to really make sure from an organizational leadership perspective, we are keeping everyone on our team very clear on not only the organizational goals, but their personal goals. I think sometimes we we maybe don't focus on that as a, as a topic, as a professional development opportunity, particularly in technology. We talk about staying current. We talk about technical skills. We talk about mm-hmm. cloud services and data scientists. But sometimes we maybe overlook that conversation of personal aspirations and goals. What do you, what do you dream to be? What, what do you dream to do with your skills? So when did you know that you were going to do what you're doing now? Did you <laughs> grow up having this? I think... I think, in my opinion, all good leaders become good leaders and continue to grow and learn as good leaders through self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I think in life, you have these moments of self-awareness, whether it's through a professional training curriculum mm-hmm. or through some life experiences. I think in that self-awareness, you become a much more authentic leader. You become much more um, focused on those aspirations as opposed to a prescriptive, tactical, you know, activity-based strategy or plan. And so I think through self-awareness of life, for me, it became very readily apparent of aspirations that I think many women at senior levels, aspiration comes from inspiration, it comes from motivation, and Mm -hmm. if, if you're not surrounded with systemic influencers of that inspiration and motivation, you can lose aspiration. So can you give us a personal example of who inspired you to get where you are? I mean, for many listeners, they're younger folks, (laughs) men and women, or older listeners who want to be on a public board, who (laughs) want to be a CIO or a (laughs) C-level person in a big company. Right. And they don't even think that's possible. Right. So tell us, what were a couple of defining moments that got you there? I think two things, I, I wanna, there's probably a hundred mm-hmm. things, right, but there's two course. things that really stand out. There was a very simple, healthy leadership course curriculum mm-hmm. that I took. Mm-hmm. And it just really resonated with me and struck a nerve that step one of leadership, right? And it wasn't 
anything you know, I was expecting, you know, some Jack mm-hmm. Welch quote or something to right? <laughs> and it was check yourself, check yourself. You can only be a good leader if you are in a healthy leadership position. And that day was just very enlightening to me. I, I felt like mm-hmm. it for me, I personally was able to eliminate a lot of what I'll call the preconceived hurdles. And maybe I mm-hmm. felt there were organizational constructs that were holding me back, or there were bad bosses, or there were, right, all these reasons quite often that you might feel limited mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. ability. And I think that day it was check yourself. You, where are you? Where is your head? Mm-hmm. Where is your emotional health? What's the tone and tenor? Where's mm-hmm. your, um, and I felt like I took real accountability. Um, and then the secondly is the book mm-hmm. Crucial Conversations. Again, took a course um, around Crucial Conversations, and I think that was also empowering to help you with the how. Right? So you might have some self-recognition. You say, I know what I want to do. Now, how do I do it? I think Crucial Conversations helps you to figure out how to create shared mutual objectives, how to align yourself and organizations to those shared mutual objectives in a healthy way, not in a confrontational or contentious way. It helps you find your voice. And again, I'm going to generalize, and I hate to stereotype, but I think quite often women in technology quite often lose their voice. Or didn't have one. Or didn't have one and didn't have anybody to help them develop it. Mm -hmm. So I think when you find your voice and you Mm -hmm. use it wisely for the mission and purpose, right, that has been given to you as an opportunity, that good things happen from that. And I want to come back to that because I'm working with a client who would say, isn't it just working, doing great work is good enough? For a period of time, I think for any of us, right, doing good things is half of the Certainly. coin. Table I st- stakes. Yeah, it's table right? stakes. Doing bad works isn't, isn't sufficient. <laughs> right. But I think there's two sides of that coin. There's what you do, right, and there's how you do it. What you do is what you're saying, doing good mm-hmm. work. You produce mm-hmm. the output. You know, you're meeting expectations. The how you do it. Are you happy? Are you satisfied? Are you healthy? Are you doing things for the long view, right? Or, mm-hmm. or are you achieving these short-term transactions? successes that don't lead you to that aspiration. They meet Mm. today's need, but they Mm. really don't fill the bucket for that future dream. And and I think that self-awareness is where it comes in. A lot of people might operate in that mode for a period of time where you Mm -hmm. think you're succeeding, right? And I'm putting air quotes around that succeeding, mm-hmm. um, but it's short-lived. It, it doesn't fulfill the the dream. Mm-hmm. Is this really what you want to do every day for the rest of your life, or do you have bigger aspirations? I think I think that actually aspiration is somewhat tied to people's perception of where the expectations mm-hmm. come from. I mean, at the end yep. of the day, many people, whether it's mm-hmm. women in technology <laughs> and often men in technology in large organizations look to the organization to define the limits of their capability, to define the limits of their Mm -hmm. success. Mm -hmm. You know, it's in the job description. I can't, you know, I can't say how many times I've had somebody, you know, argue with me about a performance review where they said, well, I did all the stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, I did all the objectives. Why am I not getting the highest rating possible? Because that's meets expectations. (laughs) Absolutely. And... You know, what's my job as a leader to expand their Mm -hmm. thinking, actually Mm -hmm. get them thinking about the question of, are you being your best? Not the best as I can define it inside the context (laughs) of a regression to the mean large enterprise (laughs) performance (laughs) model, because that's the reality of it, Mm -hmm. right? We Mm -hmm. design these job descriptions around kind of the average of what we think we can get. Mm -hmm. And most of us 
in fact, probably all of us, in a certain way, shape, or form, are capable of way better than the average. But we define ourselves by the boxes that people put around us mm-hmm. versus instead what of we by aspire to. Right, exactly. What are we capable of? And, and right. am I being my best? Right. And that would right. my answer mm-hmm. to the question around if I've had success in my professional life and my personal life, I'd like to attribute it to trying hard to be my best in every context, mm-hmm. independent of what, mm-hmm. you know the organization was expecting of me. Even going back to my Arthur Anderson days, I remember getting in trouble for doing a lot of automation work (laughs) using technology of the audit process because I could. I knew how to use those technology Mm -hmm. tools and I was like, this is ridiculous. We're doing this really inefficiently. I remember my manager getting mad at me for you know investing in that. But my conclusion was, no, this is... This is me being my best, Mm -hmm. right? right? And if that's incompatible with you, I'll actually go find a place that's compatible with my best. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's reframing the decision Mm -hmm. and tying your aspiration to what you're capable of, not what the organization you happen to be associated with at that moment in time thinks is your best. And, And I relate that, John Wooden, right? Do not mistake activity for achievement. Mm-hmm. And I think all too often, right, when people say, but I did all of these things, these activities, the am I not tasks. a success? And it really, we should be focused on achievement, you know, and of deeper purpose. So on yes. that note, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Metcalf and Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf and Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf and Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. 
Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You're with Terry Bettinger and Greg Moran, Maureen Metcalf. If you wonder why Terry's saying her last name, it's because once my brain has it wrong, it stays wrong. Consistent. She's consistently wrong. During break, we were talking about how did we get where we are and and for each of us, the three of us in the room, but probably for most of our listeners, we have a personal story that got us here that we don't often share. I mean, things, sometimes there are things we have overcome. Sometimes there are things we're really proud of, but we're private about. And sometimes we just don't talk about them. So I'm going to ask our guests to, to share a little more about how did you get here? And I'll do the same thing. So, Greg, let's start with you. How, you grew up differently than I did. Yeah, so I, uh, originally from Detroit, grew up most of my childhood from when I was two to when I was 12. I was in Zambia, okay. and my parents were missionaries, and I mm-hmm. attended a British boarding school, mm-hmm. uh, grew up with an accent. And so I grew up in a country where I was an advantaged minority, which is an interesting sort of designation, mm-hmm. right? So you uh, you have some vestiges of the colonial system mm-hmm. still there, but you have Africa as a self-governing country, and it's a combination of resentment and privilege that's tied up mm-hmm. in kind of who you are as a white person in mm-hmm. Zambia growing mm-hmm. up. And then you have the experience of coming back to Detroit in Mm -hmm. seventh grade. So I'm in seventh grade. I'm a poor missionary kid in a private school in Detroit with an accent. That's a (laughs) starting from a privileged kid in Africa and Zambia. Yeah, privileged but a minority, a Mm -hmm. resented Mm -hmm. minority, Mm -hmm. right? To then being this underprivileged kid in a private school in Detroit, where you're just Mm -hmm. a target, right? Yeah. And I do think that those sort of experiences uh, in my formative years forced me to grapple with some of these deeper questions around Mm -hmm. aspiration. Because you can be a victim of that, Mm -hmm. or you can say, I'm not going to let that define me. And Mm -hmm. you don't know you're making those choices at those ages. You're just trying to live your life and not get beat up in the lunchroom, Mm -hmm. right? right? But you are choosing how you're responding to that moment and you know mm-hmm. trying to you're grappling with these questions of is this moment about me or is it about that person mm-hmm. who's trying to take advantage of me right, right? Mm-hmm. and i do think that those experiences equipped me probably better than many to mm-hmm. later in life then be in situations where i'm in a corporate environment and i've got a i've got a boss who you know is really going to put me in a position where i can't be successful and it gives you the confidence mm-hmm. to say, this isn't about me. Mm-hmm. This is about right. them. 
and I'm going to make a choice if mm-hmm. I have to to actually mm-hmm. remove myself from the situation or I'm going to approach the problem differently or however it might be. So mm-hmm. I do think that there are, you know, like signals early in your life mm-hmm. and those formative experience that equip you, right, to grapple mm-hmm. with and perceive these situations differently. But I also believe that the, many of those can be taught. And it's why I spend mm-hmm. all of my time you know, all of my charitable time today is, you know, like my optional time is on Mm -hmm. education, right? So I teach Mm -hmm. at Ohio University. Mm -hmm. I'm on the board of junior achievement. Why? Because Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a role to play in K-12 education and university education Mm -hmm. in creating a different context, right? Because I believe this issue of aspiration wrapped in a wrapper of education Mm -hmm. is so powerful. Completely Mm -hmm. agree. And I will echo that, you know, certainly my background, I'll just say, is basically poor, right? Very Mm -hmm. poor, rural, um, and extremely religious um, Mm -hmm. set in their ways and set in their perceptions of right and wrong and, Mm -hmm. you know, other things. And, And that's I was actually a tremendous beneficiary of um, early childhood education, early intervention, Head Start. Mm-hmm. Um, I can now go back and say, when we talk about aspirations, I believe in that, you know, I was probably four years old, three mm-hmm. years, three and four years old. But had it not been for that, I, I don't think I would have had the same aspirations. It gave me new exposures and new, new learnings. I also, back to education right now, I, I focus early intervention, the Childhood League Center, early intervention for children with developmental challenges. And in many instances, the parents and the stakeholder around that child may have lost some of their aspirations for that child attributed Mm -hmm. to their situation. And a big part of what that organization does is really restores giving them skills Mm -hmm. and tools and ability, but to thrive, not not just to minimally survive, but to really thrive, i.e. restoring aspirations for being an engaged and contributing part of this community. Another, I see stars, you talk about junior achievement. And I think, again, what is that? That really gives children very tangible aspirations to be successful. I see stars in organization underserved people generally were not on a traditional path for Mm -hmm. technology right these aren't young people who were who were you know on a path towards higher education who weren't um, we bring them in on average making nine dollars an hour they leave IC stars with the technical skills software development skills making twenty two dollars an hour and then with 18 months making thirty six dollars an hour when you give people those skills the 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 coaching the Mm -hmm. the people around them but more importantly give them aspirations they now have a path they can see themselves being successful Mm -hmm. in this community today being a valuable contributing member that's a huge that makes a difference it makes a big difference you know maureen i just i think it's so important for us to focus on the fact that these are addressable opportunities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right uh, there's so many times we talk about phenomenon in society and people are railing against the phenomenon mm-hmm. or talking about how unfortunate it is. And it's easy to get caught up in that. Yeah, but I'll tell you, for me, this is about, no, there are ways to address this. Mm-hmm. And, and you just yep. gave a great example with IC Stars, and, you know, our involvement in junior achievement is a mm-hmm. great example. So many of the kids that come into a program like BizTown, which is targeted at fifth graders, by the way, these are young mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm who come into that program not believing, not even really understanding that they're allowed mm. to participate in the economy. 
And then the graduates of you know junior achievement we find are uh, 30% more likely to get a college degree if they've been through a junior achievement program, 67% more likely to get an advanced degree if they've been through a junior achievement program. They make on average 20% more than the general population. So you see very different outcomes tied to this combination of, A, I'm going to give you permission Mm -hmm. to participate in the economy. I'm going to demystify it for you, right? Mm -hmm. And B, I'm going to give you some education, whether it's around entrepreneurship, around financial literacy, Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. workforce readiness, that's going to give you the tools you need to actually Mm -hmm. do something about it. And it turns out it actually makes a difference and the percentages are dramatic. So how long are these programs? Because it... It's not like they have to go through 12 years of programs to get there, right? It, this is a relatively shorter. Yeah, so just using Junior Achievement as, a, as an example, mm-hmm. and I certainly don't want to say it's the only one. As, as uh, Terry pointed mm-hmm. out, there's programs for professionals, there's programs at the collegiate level, mm-hmm. there's programs at the K-12 level, but Junior mm-hmm. Achievement is a good case study. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are programs for multiple grade levels, and there are increasingly better outcomes if young people have been exposed to one or more programs. Mm -hmm. But there certainly are some keystone programs, and BizTown is Mm -hmm. one of them. So BizTown is an example, has about, I'm going to say it's 18 or 19 in-class sessions and then the students come and they actually mm-hmm. run a city for a day and they apply for jobs in that city and they run that city. Mm-hmm. And to see the light bulb come on for these young people as they realize I could be a mayor. I mean, mm-hmm. not pretending, mm-hmm. I can actually be a mayor. I know what a mayor does now and mm-hmm. I can do that. And many of them probably now aspire to be a mayor. Absolutely. And which the they may never have thought before. Exactly. So now it's possible. Yeah. And I know enough about what right. it means to be one. Yep that I'm going to go learn more about it, right? Or I could be the right. CFO of a bank or I could be the yeah. whatever it might be. And I want to jump on that. Maureen, you asked mm-hmm. a question about, you know, what has helped you, right, to mm-hmm. um, become and be where you are. And you just said that spark now of continuous learning. They now know how to how to seek and ask questions and learn and adapt. And and that is an amazing skill that I think, in my mind, most leaders, true effective leaders, mm-hmm. and especially mm-hmm. innovative leaders, that passion for continuous learning is fundamental. I think people stagnate with their mm-hmm. learning. They will mm-hmm. stagnate with their careers, their job satisfaction, and also their aspirations. Well, and why do you stagnate? You stagnate because you don't have the aspiration. Right. There's no motivation. It all ties together. Aspiration is the motivation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The yep. cure is learning. Continuous <laughs> learning. It's a lifelong. And I, I see young people today sometimes who are who believe that that high school diploma or that college mm-hmm. degree is the destination. So it's, I, it's just part of the journey. It's not a destination. I had my master's degree. I'd worked for a couple of years, and I, I wanted to go back and get a law degree. Mm-hmm. I was 25 or mm-hmm. something. I was like, oh, no, I'm too old. <laughs> and, and now I look back at over 50. I'm like, right. really? What are you thinking? <laughs> and then I wrote an article. Someone asked me to write an article about something. I was like, I can't write. Mm-hmm. I tried to. I had been invited to write a humor column for a magazine, volunteer mm-hmm. charity thing, and I got kicked off. They said I wasn't funny enough. So I carried this, like, you can't write. And so I wrote an article for some conference 
and I, it got critically reviewed and kind of panned. <laughs> and then someone said, well, you should continue to write. I'm like, yeah, I can't yeah. write. Nine books later, <laughs> I'm writing. There you are. Yeah. You know, it, and it wasn't like I grew up knowing I was a writer because mm-hmm. I wasn't. No skills. <laughs> and a good friend of ours actually read the first edition of my book or first draft after it was edited. And he's like, this is the worst thing I've ever read. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's encouraging. Uh, and he, I had done something to help him out, and he's like, "Oh, so I'll read your cute little book," you know. And he got through like five pages, and he's like, "Yeah, this took way too long. It took like two days to read these four pages. It's awful." And so it took a whole rewrite. I had to channel this person, and I got through it. And but it was a total rewrite. It was painful. <laughs> Writing for me is painful. Mm. But there's a value to it. So the, the thing I aspire... So what's the value, exactly? What's well, the aspiration? What I aspire to do in the world is help leaders be better. And one way to do that affordably mm-hmm. is to write. Because I'm an expensive coach. Especially <laughs> right. for people in the third world. You can't afford me. Right? I mean, not everyone in the third mm-hmm. world. But, you know, think young people. Mm-hmm. I did a safari in Africa. There was a travel snafu, and I, I was hanging out with our host, hotel staff because I was the only guest in the hotel. And I said something about, well, just buy a book. And the guy was like, I make $25 a, a, a month. Right. And I was like, oh, mm. book, $25. Mm. And you can't afford shipping. And that means you buy no food that month. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that really stuck with me that... If I mm-hmm. want to impact the world, not my little right. piece of it, I have to do something that's free or almost free. Mm-hmm. And so it was books and blogs and radio shows. The sure. aspiration was to make a difference mm-hmm. in specifically the quality of leadership. And I could only do that through writing. And my first interview, if anyone listened, it sounded like I had Tourette's. <laughs> it was terrible. right? And yet there was an aspiration mm-hmm. And the only way to get there was through it, and it was not pretty. So for listeners who are thinking, I can't do that, it's not pretty. And you do it. Well, I also think it's, you know, a a discipline. It's a persistent discipline. I think this Mm -hmm. is kind of back to aspirations that people have, right? When you have very, whether you're a CEO or just your own personal professional aspirations, you know, there's a reality to what it takes to accomplish that. When Mm -hmm. you think about... Olympic, you know, gymnasts, just to Mm -hmm. randomly throw that out, (laughs) you know, it didn't just come to them. They sacrificed a lot of, of, you know, traditional social activities, schooling activities, right? They've basically committed their lives to that. And so I think um, one of the things that, that, and I'm going to speak to what I know of women mm-hmm. in technology is that that real coaching of of what is it going to take, right? That mm-hmm. realistic expectation, you know. And when a dreams are not, you know, it's not magical. Nope. They're no attainable, but they're attainable with hard hard work, hard work. commitment, and embarrassment with, in public, and overcoming <laughs> persistence, sacrifice. And so mm-hmm. I think sometimes having those real conversations about what is the cost and knowing what it is, having a plan for it, being mm-hmm. prepared for and, and persisting through it is sometimes a lost message. I, I think sometimes we, and I think that's where Junior Achievement and some of these other programs are probably better mm-hmm. prepared to help, you know, uh, s- students or young people with that reality check. But mm-hmm. sometimes I think in, in corporate America, the drive for, you know, 
today's mission, today's profit, today's maybe overlooks the, some of mm-hmm. that reality check of. I think you know it's a great observation, and I think you know so much of life and making a difference does involve being out of balance for periods of time. Mm-hmm. You know, you brought up writing a book. When you're writing a book, you have to obsess about it, right? And we talk about some of these mm-hmm. leaders that we talk about. You know, I've, I've actually taught courses on the leadership of Steve Jobs and some of the mm-hmm. other people that have made a difference. In some cases, they were people who really didn't hold balance in their mm-hmm. lives. And mm-hmm. as a result, they were actually able to make an astounding difference in one dimension. Mm-hmm. But not their but, whole lives. Yeah, right. But some other parts of their lives were right. eh, not so good. <laughs> right. Right. And I think that's an extreme case. And I don't think mm-hmm. we all have to embrace the extreme. But mm-hmm. I think all of us that want to make a difference in our own way, that aspire mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. have to be willing to tolerate an imbalance. Four periods of time. I mean, at the end of the day, project deadlines are project deadlines. Correct. And sometimes you got to work an 80-hour week. More than occasionally. Right. And then you've got to know how you bring yourself back into balance. To restore right? the balance. Right. right. And life is just a series. Of, I, I often use the example of walking is basically the act of falling down and catching yourself. Right? It's just <laughs> over a, and over again. Right. It's a series of imbalances. And right. life is just every aspect of our lives mm-hmm. are these series of imbalances. We mm-hmm. stay awake for 12 hours, we sleep, right? So, so right. you know, you've got this mm-hmm. model that we live every day but mm-hmm. it applies perfectly into this world yep. of professional achievement, personal achievement mm-hmm. that involves trying really hard at something, whether yes. it's the gymnast or whether it's yeah. the professional manager mm-hmm. or whatever. And particularly in business versus athletics, mm-hmm. in business, you're you're on stage 95% of the time and practicing, if you're lucky, that. 5% of the time, whereas mm-hmm. a professional right. athlete... It's practicing the 95% right. of the time. Right. So in some ways, our challenge is harder. Yep. And both of you have children, and you've had to manage that balance. Yes. And probably had brilliant successes in days you, you wished you had done it differently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I think that, um, first of all, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate to have an amazing family support network, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. many in our society today do not have, right, Mm -hmm. that multi-generational family, Mm -hmm. you know, connected. So I know how fortunate I am. I also think children can be a a wonderful calibration (laughs) for you, for priorities, for Mm -hmm. ego, Mm -hmm. for being focused on the right things, it's it's very easy sometimes to get mm-hmm. caught up in, you know, your your current project and and conflating it with, you know, Life life's purpose exactly. And I think children do a great job of keeping you grounded, balanced, and humble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so maybe sometimes you don't value that, but in hindsight, I really value that. I'm confident if Baker, Reagan, and Riley were here, they might have some rich words to share about <laughs> my parenting skills um, and my partnership with my wife in, in raising mm-hmm. them. You know, I think, first of all, I'm incredibly proud of, of each of them. They couldn't be more different uh, from each mm-hmm. other. And I think the the richness of experience uh, that we get from 
raising people who are really mm-hmm. unique individuals mm-hmm. has actually been a huge source of learning mm-hmm. for me. Completely mm-hmm. agree. Mm-hmm. And applies to how you lead organizations. Absolutely. Yep. And that feeds into your aspirations as well, I'm assuming. Yes. The legacy you leave for your children. I think it helps you to realize as a leader when you are supporting somebody's aspirations or sometimes unintentionally suppressing them. Maybe, yeah. and I think, again, kids are such good sounding boards mm-hmm. that you can apply it again into the professional environment and say, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I need to approach that differently <laughs> to get a different result. And, and so I, I find it very, now also, of course, my kids are all like really smart people. Um, and, you know, they'll catch, you know, you, you do a new training, you read a book and you try to apply the concepts. And, you know, I have kids who'll be like, don't try that work crap on me. That's not going to work. Right? <laughs> They'll try to manipulate me, you know, and, and so they're good practice grounds for maybe trying to adapt your leadership style or figuring out how to influence differently. And I do think they hold you accountable mm-hmm. to the truth of your leadership theories, yes. right? Like, honestly, at work as a leader, you can get away with a lot because of the hierarchy. And right. I, uh, I don't <laughs> yep. think that's healthy, but it's definitely true. Yes. Yeah. You know, Completely if you're the agree. vice president or the SVP or right. the CIO or whatever, mm-hmm. all these titles you have inside of a hierarchical organization, if you're leading badly, honestly, you can kind of get away with it for, for a, quite a quite while. Quite a while. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's unfortunate, but it's true. Yes. Right. I mean, you can get busted on it, but. We've all experienced lots of examples where mm-hmm. you get away with it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Kids don't let you off the hook, point one. <laughs> point two, they don't grow if you don't learn how to lead them well. Mm-hmm. And leading them well doesn't mean telling them what to do. They only grow yes. when they're trying things that they're going to screw up, yes. mm-hmm. right? And it, to me, tying back into aspiration mm-hmm. was a powerful reminder to me to let the people that I work with and that I lead in an organization Mm -hmm. try things, expand Mm -hmm. their vision, aspire, Mm -hmm. because that's Mm -hmm. the only way they grow. And, you know, most organizations are really, you know, almost train you to focus on make sure nothing Mm -hmm. bad happens. Mm -hmm. And in that context, if you only lead that way, you basically get, you know, institutional mediocrity and you get people who don't aspire. So we're going to go on break. We will be right back with Terry and Greg talking about aspiration. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. 
visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen, Terry, and Greg, and we are talking about aspirations. So in this segment, it's going to be a shortened segment, let's talk about how do we remove barriers, real and perceived. Because some, if I am living in poverty, I have children, I don't have daycare, I don't have a family support system, I don't have a car, and I don't have an income, getting a good job like we have... That's a real barrier. Mm -hmm. There's also the barrier I had at 25 when I said I can't do that because I'm too old. That was self-imposed, right? Yeah. Right. So how do we remove both types? Because both have the same impact. Made up doesn't make it less real when it's real for us. I'll answer it two different ways. One is about the responsibility each person has Mm -hmm. to find their way past their barriers. And the other is the responsibility we have as leaders to help people with that, right? And I think it's a two-way street. You know, like so many Mm -hmm. problems in life, going it alone is the hardest possible way to go after Mm -hmm. it. And so, you know, as a leader... I often am looking for, particularly now as I've sort of had some experience and seen what can Mm -hmm. happen when you unleash somebody's capability, Mm -hmm. I will often appeal to what I see in their competence to spur their confidence. So, so many times people focus on experience, specific experience, Mm -hmm. like I haven't done that, I haven't written a book, or Mm -hmm. I've not led a team that large, or Mm -hmm. I've not led a project in that area before. And I'll dial it back to focusing in on, here's what I think you're great at, and here's why I think you'd be Mm -hmm. very successful in that role, so that you open them up to the possibility. Because if they're not open to the possibility and you force them into the role, they don't have the aspiration and they're Mm -hmm. going to fail. 
So you've got to actually mm-hmm. create the possibility where that person mm-hmm. believes that mm-hmm. they can succeed because mm-hmm. you believing mm-hmm. is only part of the equation. Yeah. They have to believe or they can't be their best. So mm-hmm. that's a piece you can do as a leader. The mm-hmm. other piece, I think, is on them to find people in their lives. And this is going to sound really, really harsh, but I do really believe it. You have to be very selective about who you spend time with. Mm-hmm. And make choices to find people that help you be a better you and make choices to not spend time with people who don't make Mm -hmm. you a better you. And, you know, I've got personal anecdotes from my life of where I've Mm -hmm. made choices sometimes to spend too much time with somebody who doesn't make me better. Mm -hmm. And it's always come at a very, very high price for, Mm -hmm. you know, me and my progression as a person, my growth Mm -hmm. as a person. Mm -hmm. And, And so I think we all own that responsibility to say, am I investing my highly limited time Mm -hmm. with people that help me be a better me? Well, and you do things outside of work that nonprofit leadership and things like that, that do contribute to your growth and to your satisfaction, I assume. Absolutely. No, I 100% agree um, with everything that you said. I want to add a facet to it. I think that we talk about particularly within corporations, but even within professional affiliations that may be focused like women in technology or mm-hmm. um, you know, other segments. I think honesty, right? Really transparent honesty, kind of back to people who make you a better you may not be telling you what you wanted to hear. And that's kind of a little bit of the self-awareness and a little bit of the, I think that most people, when they finally find mm-hmm. that honest I'll say mentor, but whether it's formal structured mentorship or an honest Mm -hmm. person who holds them accountable for their portion of the relationship Mm -hmm. and acknowledges some of the systemic opportunities that we have. I think once they find that person, they value it, they they Mm -hmm. thrive for that. I'm going to say as women progress up that leadership path, it's fewer and fewer people around them that look like them that sound like them that Mm -hmm. give them that really transparent direct advice and so i think the more we can coach and and i'll say transparently you know one of the i think most controversial things that i have said is you know sometimes your biggest hurdle in your career is you Mm mm-hmm it's you and and use your voice if you know i again have coached and mentored some women who you know maybe had some observations about you know some challenges in the organization and mm-hmm. you know when i say well when when you had that conversation with your leadership you know what was the you know oh i can't i can't talk about that 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 would i would <laughs> right and immediately it's just like okay right you you have to have a voice you have to have ownership in mm-hmm. Using your voice, right, to be professional and clear and try to make a difference in a positive mm-hmm. way. And I think all too often that is the part that's missing. So I'm going to ask a gender question because mm-hmm. we're you and I are both yep. female. Obviously, Greg is not. <laughs> um, <laughs> most of my or many of my mentors have been men. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I've needed someone who looks like me. Mm-hmm. I need someone who will kick my butt when I need it. Mm-hmm. And I've needed it a lot. For you, what do you think? Does it does it matter? I think there is a time and a place where okay. it is very gender neutral, race neutral, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of neutrality. It's really mm-hmm. about... I do think there are times in your career where 
kind of, I'll say, you know, there's a concept, if you can see it, you can be it, mm-hmm. right? And we tell young, okay. young women that. What if you can't see it? Okay, so that makes sense. Right, what if... That makes sense. And so I do think it can be. At the same time, I I think, you know, self-accountability, self-accountability. You know, Greg, you made a comment. I used automation and and my leadership team at the time didn't appreciate that. And I may have to go and find some place that does appreciate that. That's an unusual mindset. So many people feel... Tie, you know, tied for risk, right? I, I need mm-hmm. a paycheck. I need the health care. Yep. I've got child care. These got are real things. Elder, these are real things. And quite often, people don't have that mindset of, well, I'll just go somewhere else that does appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It immediately shuts them down, right? They now become a very disengaged person at that organization mm-hmm. out of... Well, back to our responsibility as leaders, mm-hmm. I think good leaders, mm-hmm. is, is to really address that problem, right? To create an environment in which nobody ever feels that way, Mm -hmm. right? And if there is sort of one thing that you could take away from this from a leadership standpoint, Mm -hmm. it's about our role to create the context in which people can aspire and then give them the tools to fulfill that aspiration to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. I sort of feel that obligation every day as a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if we if we all focused on that one thing, mm-hmm. you could look at a myriad of societal and professional issues that would get better. I'm not mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. it's a panacea. Right. No. right. There's but no silver bullet working get together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if somebody had questions, have you written, do you do blogs? How would they learn more from you? Not that they're going to all call you tomorrow, <laughs> but but is there a way that someone would learn come to a women in technology conference. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, reach out anytime. Uh, I do post blogs. Uh, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur now, so I'm pretty visible out on mm-hmm. social media. Very easy to get my, uh, you know, get my coordinates and, and mm-hmm. hunt me down. So okay. I'd, I'd encourage people to do that. I teach at Ohio University uh, in their MBA program as well as the undergrad mm-hmm. program. So lots mm-hmm. of ways to, to get Great. to me. Similarly, right, LinkedIn, a lot of professional affiliations, um, very active speaker i do some you know writing for articles and uh, different mainly the banking industry but um you know certainly applicable across the you know across all domains and am very open i've told every you know person in my career and now you know i no one is so special they they don't have five minutes i can give mm-hmm. five minutes to anybody right reach out and i'm sometimes very surprised when i hear some of the dialogue and and mm-hmm. a lot of women don't reach out for that right guidance and so again it deflates me that use your voice you have and, and some men don't and either. some yeah yeah it's not just women yep, yep. it is also women yep but it is shocking when i hear feedback from people i've interacted with for a year mm-hmm. That didn't ask a question. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully the conversation around aspiration has maybe sparked an interest in people to at least try, believe that mm-hmm. it's worth a conversation. It's possible. Thank you both. I really appreciate your time and your energy and your openness to share your own experiences. For our listeners, please email me, info at metcalf-associates.com or Facebook Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. And we look forward to connecting with you next week.
Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week.